Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is the final part, part nine in our What If series, which is what if these draft day trades never happened? The first trade that we're going to look at is the swapping of the picks in the 2018 draft between the number three pick and the number five pick, which turned out to be Luka Doncic and Trey Young. So Jalen, these are two phenomenal guards, two different styles of play. How would you have seen it play out if Luka Doncic had gone to the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young had gone to the Dallas Mavericks? To be honest, I'm not gonna lie. I really feel like the first way. First of all, let's let let's. I'm gonna take a step back for a second. You couldn't have said it uh, better. Two phenomenal players with very different playing styles. Luca has a very overall strong game in terms of his feel for the flow of how a game is going, knowing when to score a bucket, knowing how to get players involved, a true understanding of how to see the floor in a way that allows everybody to be in all of his own individual talents while also being able to uplift those around him. I genuinely actually find Trey Young's style of play to be relatively similar, but almost just as dynamic. I think his reckless abandon and his willingness to shoot from the opposite end of the court for crying out loud just shows his overall confidence in himself, but also shows the difference in the way the game is transitioning, the amount of threes he takes, the distance in which he takes the threes from. I had to say that I think neither one of these teams would have went wrong, whether they stuck where they were or they made the trades that they did. I just think from a storyline perspective, Trey Young fits the swag of the land where the Migos and the rest of the rappers come from, being ATL. That's where I'm from. I mean, that's where I was born, and I see a lot of, you know, in terms of Trey Young swag, as somebody that was born there looks at it and goes, that's an ATL kind of guy. He kind of fits the mold. Then you look at Luka and, you know, you think about the um, international ties that obviously a guy like Dirk Nowitzki has, not in a, in a lesser degree. I feel like people don't even, like, pay mind to the fact that, you know, Steve Nash is, like, from Africa like I guess you, you almost don't even like think about that when you think Steve Nash but Steve Nash was on that team they had Leandro Barbosa at one time as a guy who was on that team J.J. Barea who is uh, you know not necessarily like a like a foreign foreign guy that everybody would think of when you associate anybody with like the Mavericks but it's a guy that you know still kind of fits that like European build and Luca is literally the modern day embodiment of that. He's a young dude from overseas that has been playing pro ball since for what feels like forever, basically, like the last half a decade in terms of playing against professionals overseas. And it came over here. And I mean, unlike guys like 
you know, there was a there's there's a player in, you know, Ricky Rubio who we trashed a couple episodes ago in terms of, you know, he didn't even make the transition over here when he first got drafted by Minnesota. I mean, Luca came over here and set the league on fire. You would have thought he was here the whole time. So, um, you know, and when we when we were coming up with this idea, the reason why I thought this trade was so significant is because these are two of the league's rising stars. If they're not already star players already in most people's minds, these guys are next up. There's no debating about it. And the funny part about that is they also, now their careers and the trajectory they go on are intertwined. If Luka wins a championship, the questions are, did the Hawks miss out when they had the number three overall pick? And, you know, they made the switch. The same could go for if Trey wins a championship in Atlanta. Did the Mavericks look back and say, dang, we should have went with Trey Young at the guard spot rather than grabbing Luka? You know, their seasons down the line, it's kind of already started to manifest over the last year and a half just because of the fact that they both kind of came out in a different way. Luca started out strong and kind of cooled down after a couple of small minor injuries. Young started out extremely cold, and a lot of people thought, oh, man, there he goes, looking just like he was at Oklahoma. He can drop 21 points and get 10 assists, but he's getting murdered out there, shooting eight for 30. But then he came on strong towards the back end of the year and he started going crazy. And he almost built himself kind of similar to when Zion Williamson came back this year. He started kind of building himself a late rookie of the year case. So these guys' trajectories are intertwined in a way where we get to see something that's considered a really dope friendship. You saw that a lot in the Rising Stars game. But it's also a really dope internal rivalry as in in terms of the two franchises and determining who was right, who was wrong, or if anybody even has to be wrong. Maybe they both win championships. But then the question is, you know, who would have won first or if things were different and different scenarios like that. Do you think that either team would have been better off? I know it's kind of early, but do you think either team would have been better off if they had went the opposite route? I don't think they would have been better off. I think they would have been. I think they would have stayed the same. I think, like I said earlier, Trey Young and Luka Doncic are two phenomenal guards, and I think that these two will definitely change the league and hold the league down for the future. I wasn't really too concerned about Luka early on. I had seen what he did. I had seen what he accomplished in the Euro League, and he was pretty much destined to be a successful guard. Trey Young, I was a little bit concerned about. He was chucking up shots like it was just nothing. I kind of feel like he yeah. was he was starting to kind of scare me a little bit because in Oklahoma, he started off very strong. Like I think he had one of the greatest starts to a college career that I've ever seen. And then in the middle of the season, he kind of just fell off. Like he was shooting eight for 30, like you said. And then when I saw what he did in the summer league, very up and down. Trey Young was just shooting the ball like it's nothing. But also it's like, okay, he's a shooter. He loves isolation play. That's the type of player he is. But the interesting thing about it though is that like Trey Young, I kind of knew Trey Young was going to be a star, but the problem is he just kept shooting way too much. He was shooting that ball, like I said, 30 times a game and was only making like eight was only making like eight shots a game too. I think the career trajectories 
are similar for both of the players, and I think they thrive in the systems that they're in now. And I think that's great that you touched on that because I think the biggest thing is like, I, you know, I hate when these kind of what-ifs come up. You know, this is not to the caliber of like our past topic where it was, dude, Kevin Durant or Greg Oden. Like, dude, looking back at that now, you can look back at that and say, bro, Portland just screwed it up. You can look back at the Timberwolves grabbing a guy like Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio and already having Luke Rittenhauer on the team at point guard and not taking Steph freaking Curry. Those are situations where you can look back and say, they just messed up. You know, they blew it. Their scouts, they, their scouts missed the ball. They watch way too much primetime ball and they leaned on players who either thrived in an international system where you can't always get a full gauge of how they'll perform when they translate to the NBA or a guy like Johnny Flynn coming out of a pretty prominent school and they just swung on guys they felt like were better built and looked right over the actual talent that was standing right in front of their face. So with those comparisons, this is not the same as those. These are two guys who respectively come from two different walks of life in terms of how they got to the NBA, but both set the league on fire. And neither one of them has given us anything to be disappointed with. One may have had a slower start than the other, but the projection for what they're doing down the line is something that I feel like will be special no matter what team they were on. Now, versus, you know, us looking down the road, these next two guys that we're going to start touching on, we got to go in the way back machine a little bit. And um, we're going to be talking about how Ray Allen was a draft day trade that ended up sending him to the Celtics coming from the Super, uh, Seattle, Super, Seattle Supersonics. And, um, you know, he was, obviously all, he was obviously already on the roster um, with Seattle for a while, and he was included in the Celtics trade that would eventually be one cog of the system that would bring Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and of course, Allen together to form the Boston Big Three. I mean, Ryan, this is not really a crazy trade, I don't think, in terms of necessarily who was involved, the pieces that were moved around. Uh, Ray Allen was a killer for the Supersonics, but, you know, this wasn't some, one of those things that maybe when you looked at it in the past was like, oh, man, they're about to break the league. But somehow it just became another Celtics team that you just couldn't help but pencil into the playoffs before the season started. First off, just as a, as a starter question to kind of get the, the ball rolling, what do you feel that Allen brought to that team when he was even acquired by the Celtics? What do you feel that it was that he even really brought to that team? The obvious one is three-point shooting, but is there anything else that you feel like he really did that changed life for Boston? What he brought to the team was something that they really didn't have enough of, which was shooters. If you think about where Ray Allen was in his career, he was definitely a brilliant sharpshooter, great on the wing, great in the mid-range, great on the perimeter. Like, he knew how to shoot the ball. He was also 
waiting for a ring, I feel like. He was waiting for a contender that he could win a ring with. He almost had that with the Milwaukee Bucks. But the refs in that game seven against the Sixers in 2001, it's an understatement to say that the calls really didn't go Milwaukee's way. He goes to the Supersonics where he had that one great season with Richard Lewis and the team never really thrived. I just think that after that season, the team wasn't meeting expectations. So he needed to go somewhere that he knew was a contender. Boston seemed like a great fit considering they just picked up Kevin Garnett. And like what you received back, what the Supersonics received back, it was almost like highway robbery. I mean, Jeff Green, Wally Zerbiak, Delonte mm-hmm. West. I mean, for a guy like Ray Allen, still in his prime, you got to think like this is his time to win a championship, especially now with Boston and a newly formed big three. I just think that what he brought to the team was not only leadership, maybe something that the Celtics really didn't have on their team, but like I said earlier, I think he was a great shooter. I just think what he can do on the court is phenomenal. It makes him one of the greatest, probably one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. And, um, of course, we touch on the three-point shot a lot, and I think the biggest thing is that he provided another big scoring option. Obviously, KG is on that team as well with bringing him in, and that you know that's going to change life by itself. I mean, KG damn near hauled the Minnesota Timberwolves to a, to a championship, and they haven't been – really to the playoffs more than what I think once or twice since I believe it's only once and it was like a couple of years ago with Jimmy Butler at the helm so with that being the case it's one of those things where it's just like you brought two very talented players to Boston to put them alongside Paul Pierce who was a bucket when he was playing by himself for the Celtics but if they were going to get to that next level they were going to need other guys to put the ball in the hoop and those guys did it and um, that's why, for the next person that we're going to discuss, the final person. Talk about a missed opportunity and a missed bucket. We got a guy, we being the Chicago Bulls, decided to pick up a guy named Tyrus Thomas instead of getting LaMarcus Aldridge. <sighs> Ryan... Ryan, I, I know I know the idea was that you were going to leave this to the Bulls fan to eat on this and just go in. But I got to start with you by at least just asking the question, how dumb could the Bulls have been when they made this pool? It depends. I mean, are they as dumb as the Minnesota Timberwolves passing on Steph Curry twice? I don't know. You know what? Considering... One of the players that the Timberwolves had turned out to be a nice rotational piece. That's something to uh, just think about. But, wow, did they miss. This was a swing and a miss, strikeout in the bottom of the ninth. This was just, oh, no. Okay, well, Marcus Aldridge could have paired up eventually with Derrick Rose if he had stuck around. But, you know, the reverse psychology could have been Let's keep LaMarcus Aldridge and let's trade for Brandon Roy. That, for me, would have been like, okay, you know what? We completely stole. We have stolen away Portland's hopes for a future great team. We have stolen it and we brought it to Chicago. And 
I think that that team would have been much better. But I'm never going to get over the fact that they traded away future all-star, great big man LaMarcus Aldridge for Tyrus Thomas, who is most notable for being on that seven-win Bobcats team in 2011. Wow, this is a swing and a miss. Jalen, I am no longer going to speak on this topic. All yours, my friend. <sighs> I appreciate the alley-oop, my guy. Honestly, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. This is probably one of the organization moves that, as a Bulls fan, you look at and you go, man, what was going through their heads? And this is, I mean, this is the same franchise that gave a guy named Cristiano Felicio, who looks like Shrek, a contract and doesn't even get rotational minutes like that now. Thankfully, his contract is almost over. But sheesh, man, this is one of those where, I mean, if you line any draft day trade up with dude, you blew it, the Bulls blew it. Don't get me wrong. Aldridge is not some type of generational changing player like KD was that Portland missed out on. They didn't get back their return by. It's like, oh, man, we missed out on KD a couple years ago. Now we got LaMarcus Aldridge, though. Come at us now. Like, no, it's not the same trade. Um, it's, not the, uh, it's, not, it's not an equal trade-off at all. But he was just a, he was a big man that we never had. Joakim Noah was a great player out of, uh, out of Florida. And he was a guy who, awkwardly enough, ran the floor better than his frame <laughs> gave us. He could handle the ball and pass the ball a little bit better than you probably would have expected. The dude just kind of looks like a caveman that you unthawed and took out of the cave and tried to do experiments on and decided to just put, turn him into a basketball player. And we also had guys like Carlos Boozer, who was you know, a pretty good contributor when he played on Utah. Man, we, we had some okay big men, but like, if you can tell me I could have had L.A. being you know, LaMarcus Aldridge paired with one of those guys maybe and eventually paired with Derrick Rose would Derrick Rose maybe have been MVP Derrick Rose with LaMarcus Aldridge on the team not entirely sure but um if LaMarcus Aldridge and Damian Lillard could do damage in the west prime Derrick Rose with LaMarcus Aldridge would have been a problem in the eastern conference i don't feel any type of like crazy regret saying that I don't feel as though I'm reaching. I don't feel like I'm putting my bulls fandom out there. I just genuinely feel like if he did damage with Damian Lillard, what in the world would prime Derrick Rose have done alongside that guy being your secondary scoring option down low and in the Eastern conference at that, um, not that it wasn't, you know, tough or anything. Back when Derrick Rose was Derrick Rose, the East was, of course, a lot tougher. But, you know, over the transition of time, you know, the questions do come up of, like, you know, Derrick Rose, say he is the MVP. Um, just the year that he does get injured, does that happen if you have a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge? Granted, it's up to Tom Thibodeau who decided to keep playing him in the game, even though they had basically been winning by a million points at the time. But, you know, do they do that if a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge can hold down the fort? Do they do certain things like that? Derrick Rose was their whole offense. So I think Tibbs was just doing that as a way to, yes, send a message, but also say, dude, 
Basketball is a crazy sport. Who knows if they blow that big old lead just because you keep Derek on the bench. You don't want to lose a playoff game because you want to try to get content. But if you have a secondary score like LaMarcus Aldridge on your team, does Derek Rose stay in the game? Very huge what if that breaks my heart as like the biggest Derrick Rose stand to this day. But um, does LaMarcus Aldridge change life for the Bulls completely? Does he get them a championship or something crazy like that? Um, I can't really tell you. But um, does he make the team a lot more formidable than the teams that we saw when Derrick Rose was on his ascension? Definitely. And I think that's the part that sucks the most because we were the team that was hanging with the Heat more than anybody, even more than the Pacers when they started to nip at their heels. And you drop LaMarcus Aldridge into that squad, and I think us being on the Heat's heels and us looking eye-to-eye with them, completely different story. So it blows. It blows. (laughs) So that kind of transitions into the question of the day. We'll leave this to our fans, but what, what sort of impact do you think that LaMarcus Aldridge would have had if he stayed on the Bulls and he wasn't traded to the Blazers on draft night? Leave your answers down below in the comments section. This was a great episode today. Our next episode, we're going to list our top five greatest players of all time.